You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Alan Chews is a novelist whose latest book is To Catch the Lightning. He's the book commentator for NPR's All Things Considered. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Again, a pleasure, Ray. And we have three very different books to talk about today. And let's talk about uh, this new book by Luis Alberto Urea, Into the Beautiful North. Yeah, it's a, it's Into a Beautiful Book is what you can call it. He's, um, you know, he wrote Hummingbird, Hummingbird's Daughter based on some family history. Uh, this one, um, I gather, is, is you know invention, experience, and invention, and it's really a gorgeous book about these uh, this little band of mostly young women who leave their tiny town in the Mexican province of Sinaloa and go up north to try and gather the, some of the men who've deserted the village to come back and help them fight off this uh, pending invasion of some of some drug lords. And so it's a road story. Uh, they leave paradise and head north into uh, something resembling hell. Hmm. Um, and it, it's it's beautifully beautifully composed. It's just he writes such clear and entertaining sentences. Uh, I'll read you the opening. How about that? Yeah, the, that sounds great. The banditos came to the village at the worst possible time. Of course, everyone in Mexico would agree that there is no particularly good time for bad men to come to town. But Trace Camarones was unguarded on that late summer's day when so many things had already changed, and everything that remained was about to change forever. Uh, and it just starts from there, and you get to know these this, the women in this little group, plus uh, the, the gay movie theater operator who goes along with them. And uh, it, it's a wonderful road story, right up until the very end. It kind of the last pages or so have kind of fizzled out for me, but I'm hoping that that means he's going to write a sequel. Uh, just wonderful characters. They, they meet this extraordinary uh, uh, self-declared warrior uh, who, who rules part of the garbage dumps in Tijuana. A guy who calls himself El Atomico. Yo soy el atómico. Wields <laughs> something like a light sword made of uh, garbage and wood. <laughs> I, I just love this book. And it has kind of a, a magnificent seven plot to it. Yeah, well, that's that's where they get their idea from. They watch the movie The Magnificent Seven and and go off to bring you know at least seven guys back. Um, as it happens, they bring back a few more. Now, um, we, you also wanted to talk about uh, Gene Thompson's new collection of short stories, Do Not De- Deny Me. Yes. And, uh, and this do is Not a- Deny Me the Time to Talk About This. <laughs> well, <laughs> go for it. it you know, I, had, I have to confess, I, I hadn't read any of Thompson before this, and with this one collection of about a dozen stories, she's gone right, in my own mind, right to the top of America's best story writers. I mean, she's wonderful uh, writer of character and everyday situation, and uh, she, she makes lovely sentences. I, I just think she's fabulous. She does women very, very well, but she's also got a couple of interesting male characters. 
her her dialogue is just uh, she's got a great ear, um, and I w- I would recommend this wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, as I go back across the table of contents, I wonder are there are there any stories here that are absolute masterpieces that stand out and will stand out over time? I, I don't know that I can say for sure, but the title story about a woman who's young woman whose boyfriend has died and she gets involved with a local uh, mystic uh, almost at the expense of her own sanity, I, I think it's just a, just a brilliant story. And there's a, a, a prison story called How We Brought the Good News uh, about a, a, a white woman stuck in jail with a bunch of uh, black female criminals and how she almost gets by, uh, I thought was also quite brilliant. Um, it, it, it's a fabulous collection. Now, um, I, I, one of the things I really like about her, her work is that she really focuses on su- super ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Her people are, are just like people that, you know, drugs, drudges like myself might meet in, in the, the passing of their days. And, and I love the, the psychic in, in that do not deny me because mm-hmm. she is not like this kind of glowing fairy woman, is right. she? Right. She's got a day job. Yeah, yeah. She's she's just a, a an ordinary kind of office worker, but a little bit more and a little bit dangerous to those around her. The, the mirror uh, Thompson holds up to um, aging white females separated from their men, if they ever had one to begin with, uh, is, is quite devastating, but also quite brilliant at the same time. And well, she and she does quite well with men too. Uh, mm-hmm. Harley, the stroke victim in, in yes. Escape, is is a, just a fantastic character, even right. though he's not necessarily somebody you'd want to have a beer with. Yeah, and that sleazy office worker in the story, Mister Rat. <laughs> yeah, that's a um, nasty I, piece of work. I've worked with a few of those. Maybe I've been one of those. I don't know. Um, but you know, she. I mean, you you, you mentioned the everydayness of it. Um, this, I mean, you know, the great story writers do that. Flaubert did it. That's what Joyce did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they don't they don't work on presidents and, and kings. Uh, they work with everyday people. And I think that her her language too reminds me a little bit uh, of the kind of uh, almost austere language of uh, Flannery O'Connor too, as well. Mm-hmm. I think that that she evokes that kind of. There's an almost otherworldly presence in some of these stories, even though it's there. There are all you know, firmly set in real reality, but just the, the language evokes a, a, a spiritual plane that is sometimes absent in stories that are about such ordinary people. Interesting. It's funny. The, the writer who came to my mind immediately reading these was Alice Munro, mm-hmm. um, a kind of relentless, uh, relentless middle or lower middle class landscape. And, you know, she focuses on them with this beam of light and you just can't look away. Yeah, I, I have, since I live in a lower middle class landscape, I I'm fond of these stories, and mm-hmm. and, and it's nice to see this kind of, um, as 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 you say, the the everyday, um, elevated to the subject of literature. Yeah, well, that's I mean that's what modern literature does. I mean, Updike did it. Certainly, Malama did it. Um, as you say, O'Connor did it. I mean, well, she you know, she saw herself as stooping to go below her own station to go to the, the the Baptist white Southerners whom she saw as a step beneath her. But yeah, I 
mean, all the best writers do that. Um, although it's fun, you know, as a fiction writer, you know, it's fun now and then to write about uh, historical figures and heroes. But uh, most of, you know, the world is every day for us, every day. Mm. Uh, I love that Larkin poem. Says, what do we have but days? So what do writers have but the everyday? <laughs> now, um... Except for fantasy writers like or science fiction writers like Stephen Baxter. <laughs> Whose new novel, Flood, I think does an admirable job in achieving a, a high on the beach factor. Yeah. Well, there is no beach left. No. <laughs> By, oh, I'm giving away the end of the novel. But, um, it, it, you know, we're, we're talking about American culture. Well, none of that survives. No world culture survives except in the memories of the last uh, few people floating around on the top of this mile high global ocean at the end. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that. It's because the interesting part about reading this novel is noticing how the sea level is rising on every page. <laughs> well, one of the things I, I liked about this book is that really um, these books, and, and again, I think back to, to On the Beach, that, that mm-hmm. um, when you see somebody do something kind of ordinary in a book like Flood, you just realize how precious mm-hmm. <laughs> every ordinary thing you get to do every day is. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and those are kind of like really powerful moments. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the plot, you know, the plot is rather nicely made. There's this group of characters that you first meet uh, as they escape from a, a Christian, uh, radical Christian revolutionary group in Barcelona at the very beginning of the novel, this band, this hardy band of people, uh, survives intact almost all the way to the end um, and they they live long enough to get their revenge against the against that religious sect remember the the the, the epitaph that comes for the religious sect yeah. glug 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 <laughs> I love that um, I mean it, Baxter knows his science and and the interesting thing is this is a, a not uh, a global warming uh, flood that comes but it's a it's a flood that comes uh, based on some really interesting and not disproved uh, uh, global science, which uh, makes you uh, shiver all the more <laughs> when you think that, what, this is also a terrible catastrophic possibility. Yeah. And, and he's got, actually has a, a web page where he talks about all the science. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, and it's that. really fascinating stuff. Yeah. Baxter's a, a, a great uh, writer at combining, you know, just science that seems very real. But he also, I think, for a science fiction writer, he operates really very much in the real world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get that kind of disconnected uh, uh, feeling of that you get from some science fiction. This is really... There's a continuum from, you know, you and I talking on the phone here to the last survivors floating on the global ocean. Yeah. Would this be one of the ten books you take on a raft if the oceans rise? That's the question you have to ask as you read it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a little bit scary. Um, and, and But I also think, too, that uh, as a as a prose writer, uh, Baxter's pretty darn good. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he's got some attention. He pays attention to what he writes. It's not just a, a simple page turner, although you will not, no doubt be flipping the pages. Yeah, he not only knows his, his uh, science and math, but he knows his geography and history. Um, all of that comes into play in this novel. Which, which uh, you know, makes it kind of a nice big web. And, and it, 
it'll be a fun book to to read on the beach. Kind on of. the beach, you know. Yeah. We'll have to change it to above the beach. Above the beach, right. Yeah, we're going to read this one from the cliff. I've been speaking with Alan Chews. He's a novelist whose latest book is To Catch the Lightning. We talked about Into the Beautiful North by Luis Alberto Urea. Do Not Deny Me, a collection of short stories by Gene Thompson, and A Flood by Stephen Baxter. Thank you for joining me, Alan. My pleasure, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.